Welcome to another episode of the X-Experts Divorce Etc. podcast, where we give you all kinds of information and tips on everything divorce. Why? We've lived it, so we get it. We're Jessica and TH. And keep in mind, you can get X-Experts in your inbox by signing up for our newsletter, get the latest news and find out all about our events before anyone else, plus access special discounts and prices. Head to xexperts.com to subscribe. Welcome, everybody. We are thrilled to have Daniel Harold here. He is one of the co-founders, or is it like a tri-founder, if there are three of you, of Divorced Over 40. Um, I have to say that we've been following Divorced Over 40, and certainly Daniel, for a little while. Me in particular, because, it's not what you think, he climbed Kilimanjaro after his divorce. I, too, climbed Kilimanjaro soon after my divorce. So, we're part of like a club within a club within a club. And we are going to ask him a bunch of questions about that decision to make that big leap and climb um, and kind of how he thinks about it afterwards. So welcome to our show with the X experts. Well, thank you for having me on. And I've been, we've been watching you from afar too. So we love all the content that you guys are pushing out and what you're doing. So I'm happy to be here. So are we. Thank you so much. I feel like some people listening might be thinking that listening to the conversation and the two of you talking about climbing Mount Kilimanjaro might somehow inspire something inside me to do it. And I can tell you now, hell no. (laughs) I have no idea how or why either of you guys did that, but I'm going to let TH jump in with the questions because I mean, I'm just totally taken aback by like the courage and the strength and like the inner fortitude that I know from TH that it took to do something like that. Well, to be completely honest, I had a friend who was determined to do it for her birthday. And then she mentioned it to me and I'm kind of go with it girl, especially after my separation, I hardly was saying no to like cool opportunities. So I'm like, yeah, whatever, I'll climb a mountain. I'm an avid fitness maybe a little addict problem situation, but so a physical challenge wasn't really going to be much for me to handle. So that's really how I looked at it. And I trained up the wazoo for it. But the truth is I trained physically for it, but that was kind of the wrong training. That wasn't where I needed my strength. So I kind of went with it because it sounded like something cool. I had been to Africa before. I love Africa. So I was like, sure, I'll go to Africa. And that's, and that's really how I ended up climbing Kilimanjaro. But how did this even come into your mind? Is this something you've always wanted to do, Daniel? Or you just, it presented itself and you just kind of went with it? You know, TH, I don't think like six years ago, I even knew what Kilimanjaro, what it was, you know, if somebody said it. And um, I went on this church mission trip with my daughter. She was like 12 at the time. And she was just pulling my chain to try to go on this trip. They had kind of advertised at a church and then we were going to Kenya. And, you know, I told uh, both her mom and I said, okay, well, if you raise your travel money, then we will go. Well, she called the grandparents and within two calls <laughs> raised the money. And so I find myself going to, yeah, going to Kenya and, you know, we do all this stuff related to uh, the church stuff. And then the last two days we did a safari. So we're going to the uh, Amboseli Park and um, check into the room and it's two beds, my daughter and I, and 
I get out, I walk out and I, I think it was in the morning. We got there late, walk out in the morning, you know, to grab a cup of coffee. And I look out and I just see this mountain and it's, it was so mysterious yet majestic. It was, I was like, what the heck is that? Cause you can see from the, the mountain kind of borders, both Kenya and Tanzania. Right. And so I learned, I started learning a lot about it. I was like, oh my gosh, this thing looks beautiful. Now, did I ever say I was going to climb it at the time? No, <laughs> but I was like, this is a cool mountain. Well, fast forward, like th that was like six years ago, fast forward a couple years. And one of my friends in Chicago, um, chronicled his, cl he climbed it and he chronicled it on Facebook. And so I'm like, oh, wow. So anybody can climb this mountain and started to do a little bit of research. And then I had another person. Um, like two years after that climate. And so it was always like in the back of my mind, but I never was like, I want to climb it. So my divorce occurs and um, I'm trying to think of like something that could be like my official chapter turn, you know, mm -hmm. like something that could be like this momentous event where I can, I'm like, I'm healed. It's the new Daniel. What would signify that? And I was like, I'm going to go climb this stinking mountain. And, um, you know, I didn't have the money at the time. And I, once I did the research to figure out what it costs, I just like, screw it, pulled the trigger and the rest was history. And, and I did it, what, two months ago, just finished. I, know, I didn't realize awesome. it was so recent. Oh yeah. yeah. Like October, right? It was, yeah, it was right around, uh, the first of October. So I tried to map it out where I wasn't in the rainy season. And October was like the perfect time to go. And so, and the weather was absolutely beautiful the whole time. We didn't really have too much issues with the weather at all. So I have to ask, wait, yeah. because teach you, you had, you were saying like, you kind of went around along with it. Cause you, your friend was doing it and you're like, yeah, sure. I'll go like kind of not really knowing everything that it entailed, but Daniel, you're talking about the fact that you kind of almost researched going there. You were looking a lot into the mountain. You knew two people that had already climbed and you were looking intentionally for some kind of a momentous event that you're using to, to mark for all of this. So do you feel like you were fully prepared to actually oh. climb? Oh, hell no. Like TH <laughs> said, I did everything um, physically. And I, I mean, I scoured every internet site. There wasn't, there's not like an authority website on how to climb Kilimanjaro. There's like a 15 and they're all different. So I was like picking, you know, just the fact of having to assemble all of the gear just for it right. was a nightmare in itself because you're like, okay, I need socks. Well, what kind of socks? And then four different websites had four different socks. And so it creates a lot of anxiety trying to put together just the list. Um, but once I feel like I got everything and I probably overprepared and overpacked, um, and I did all the training, which in Tulsa, there's no elevation. So for me, it was just getting out. Ooh. I put 50 pounds on my backpack, which is three times what you're going to have and just climbed a couple of, you know, uh, hiking uh, trails in the middle of the summer, you know, in Tulsa. Um, I felt physically, I was, I'm like, I'm in better shape than probably I have been. Um, but it's all mental. And it really is just TH, you can attest to this. It's really all mental the last one to two days of the climb. I mean, it's relatively a fairly, I'll say easy climb the first four, five, six days, assuming that you acclimate to the climate, right. which some people do and don't. It's like Did you take the meds, by the way? 
Did oh, you take I mean, the meds I, I, for I altitude? Oh yeah. Me too. There were people oh, who like, didn't take it, risk. Jessica, and they didn't summit. And if they did, they were so delirious that they don't even remember summoning. Can you imagine preparing and spending all that money and then getting to the peak and being like, oh, I, I can't do this? What? Why? What would be the reasoning for not to take They didn't want to take drugs. They didn't want to take anything. They didn't want to take any medication. So they did not take the, the altitude is, sickness is stuff I, and they got sick. Yeah. And, and altitude doesn't, it's not like if you're like uber in shape that you're not, you're not at risk to getting altitude sickness. So it's, you could come there and be in the best of shape and have hiked several mountains. And for some reason, your body just reacts differently. And I think there's a lot right. of people that are like, well, I've hiked all these mountains and I, I don't need this. You know, I've done altitude and it just hits them and, you know, they're in trouble. And we, we didn't have anybody that didn't make it in our group, but um, a lot of people struggled day two, three, four, you know, right out of the gate with all the symptoms of altitude sickness. But I was like, I took them religiously. Plus I took the ones that the guides gave me. I would probably double up on altitude medicine. You could have gone higher. Exactly. <laughs> Literally and figuratively. Totally. Did you have anyone in your group that you knew? Was this something that you felt really like important that it needed to be a solo trip for you amongst the group? Or did you go with someone you knew? I had a buddy in Chicago that really wanted to go when I told him about it. And I was like, okay, great. But then the more I thought about it, I was like, this needs to be something I do myself. You know, I don't, I, I want to be able to dictate my entire trip and not have to feel like I'm tied to someone. And so um, I kind of blew him off. And then when he saw me start posting about it, he's like, well, what about me? And I'm like, sorry, man, <laughs> this, this one's my trip. If, if I <laughs> right. decide to go do it again, I'll invite you. But it meant a lot more. So I did, I, I went into a group with you know, 12 people in my group and I didn't know anybody. Um, but then I spoke to, you know, the cool thing that came out of it is I wrote so many different things about what I learned along the way. And it was part of the content that I provided um, on Divorced Over 40 and my Instagram of like all these things that I learned uh, as I traversed the mountain. Can you share some so, of that with people who well, haven't read that? Oh. What are, what were your expectations going into it? Mm -hmm. So physically, mentally, like for me, I thought I was just climbing a mountain, right? And I actually was camping. I was in a tent by myself. My girlfriend was with someone else. So just the way it is, just so everybody knows, it's a pretty intimate group, 12, maybe 15. We had four guides. One's name was Polite. The other was God Love. The other was Sunday. Sunday was a singer. And I keep in touch with all of them. This is over 12 years ago that I went. I keep in touch with them through social media, but it was not what I expected and in a, the best way possible. And all the prep that Daniel's talking about, I went to REI, I'm right. like outfit me. I need, and, and the most important thing isn't even your shoes, it's your backpack. If yeah. it's not fitting you right, you're gonna be in trouble. And it's just a day pack, by the way. There are like 50 porters carrying food and like 150 pounds on their head, their back, their front. By the way, in shoes without socks that don't fit. And fun side note, I'm a huge Kid Rock fan. But the reason that's funny is because my assigned porter was wearing a Made in Detroit t-shirt <laughs> all the way at Kilimanjaro He's my guy taking me up 19,000 plus feet. So 
you can prepare, you can buy whatever you want. My biggest challenge at the beginning was you take baby steps up this mountain. There's no running. There's not even any walking. You can't even really take a full stride. It's pole, pole, little, little, little. I'm like, don't you ever want to just run for the hill? And no. So as you can already tell through this podcast, I am not a slow anything person. And to be forced to slow down was one of the best lessons that I learned on this trip for everything. Slowing down when you eat, you can't eat too quickly. You have to eat slowly. You have to take it in so you don't get sick. So what's your biggest surprise lesson from climbing Kilimanjaro? Oh man. Um, I mean, there's so many things that I learned, but probably the biggest one is that we can overcome almost anything. And so I kind of applied it to uh, the divorce process because obviously I'm part of this community and it's like, how can I tie what I learned into divorce? And, and for me, it's like when you're going through a divorce, you're like right in the middle of a storm. And I always use the, the, the analogy of you're like, you're on this little rowboat in the middle of these crashing waves. And all you can do is just hold on. That's like your storm, right? But the waves settle and the sun rises. And what I what I learned and probably what I articulated is, to your point, TH, it's just one step at a time. You know, when you're in the middle of your storm, you just have to take one step at a time. And you can't be looking out on the horizon because you're not going to see anything that that's going to encourage you. It's just taking the next step after the next. And I remember the last day killed me. Um, I had like, you know, they do these tests every day to check your oxygen levels. And I had the highest percentage of oxygen in my blood of anybody in my group. So I'm like starting to get cocky thinking, ah, you know, I'm, I'm in the best in shape. And the last, right. And the last day you have to get up at 10 o'clock at night. So you, you get to your camp at like two or three. They want you to immediately go to sleep, which I didn't sleep. I couldn't. So I was up from three till 10. And you get up, you eat a light dinner, and then you're usually starting your, fi your final ascent uh, around midnight. And um, it's brutal. It's absolutely brutal. That was the mental test. And I was about, we were probably about three hours in, and about every 10 steps, I had to tell the whole group, I got to stop. I got to stop. I just could not catch my breath. Um, I was definitely feeling the effects of the altitude. And a lot of people that were feeling great were starting to get annoyed with me. You know, there was a guy up from Germany and he was like, why can't we just keep going? Every time we stop, I just, you know, I feel like we're losing momentum. And I'm back there just like, all of a sudden, the, 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 all the mental piece of it comes. Okay, I might have to right. turn around. I might not be able to make this because literally every 10 steps, I'm having to stop. We're taking a quick break here to talk about our partner, Athletic Greens, which has a product I use literally every day. I started taking AG1 because I wanted to see what all the hype was about, and I love it. You know I'm into health and wellness and love to use all of my essential oils and stuff, and one scoop of AG1 is 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to start your day right. It's for gut health, immunity, energy, focus, aging, all the things. I mix it in water or a smoothie before or after the gym, and it works for everyone. If you're keto, gluten-free, vegan, paleo, and dairy-free. And every time you buy, they donate to organizations that help get nutritious food to kids in need, like No Kid Hungry. 
This is a simple way to take care of your health with just one scoop and a cup of water a day. That's it. Plus, to make it easy, you'll get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Just go to athleticgreens.com emerging. Again, that's athleticgreens.com emerging and take control of your health starting now. If you're enjoying our Divorce Etc. podcast, be sure and subscribe to our newsletter to get ex-experts in your inbox. It's free and includes tips from real-life experts who've been through it telling you what they wish they knew. You'll also hear about our upcoming episodes and Q&As with our experts. Plus, you'll find out about our upcoming events before anyone else and get access to discounts and preferred pricing. You can sign up at www.exexperts.com. And um, finally, after about two hours of doing that, um, one of the guides pulled me aside and he said, let's just let the group go ahead. I'll take you. And we slowed down to the pace that I could do. And um, he sang the entire way up the mountain. It was pitch dark. Oh, my God. It went out and he sang. sang. And it was just magical. But it but, you know. It kind of made me think of the divorce journey. Everybody has their own pace. You know, it's not like certain people have, like we're all gonna recover and heal just like, you know, one of your friends did or get back into the game and start dating like another friend. I mean, we all work at our own pace and we have to be comfortable with that because I was starting to feel anxious about letting the other group down because I kept pulling them back, you know? And finally I realized this is my trip. This isn't theirs. Right. And so, and the guide kind of nudged me to say, let's just slow it down. And, you know, I was able to make it because of it, you know, just slowing things down and taking it at my own pace. I literally just got chills when you use that as the analogy for like the pacing for just people's divorce and life. Like I literally just got chills. And I'm wondering to what, what Teach was asking before, like, what were your expectations before you went and, and was, was what happened totally different. And do you feel like you really came back with a different perspective on your whole divorce process? I don't know beforehand, like, you know, was it super amicable? Was it more difficult? Like, did you feel like that trip just settled things for you in a, in a weird way? I think what it did, it made me, it made me feel like a man. Uh, and you know, it made me feel like, okay, this was the hardest thing that I've ever done and I accomplished it. And so you know, I've had pretty well off life and really had, you know, I've worked hard. I worked hard in my career. I, you know, I raised three kids. Uh, I'm not afraid of hard work, but this was like almost like the true test of, do you have the gut to do it? And so coming right. back, it kind of gave me that confidence that I can go accomplish anything. Now, do I want to go climb the mountain again? Hell no. <laughs> uh, it was I would never do it again. Right. All of us were like, like day three, we were like, we were what are all the seven summits? Let's see. We were starting to list all the other mountains. What if we did this and this? And <laughs> the day afterwards, we're like, we're like, forget that. We're not climbing another mountain. You know, so you so have done. a certain passion for it, right? And I, that wasn't me, but at least I was like, okay, it was something that was super tough, that was super mentally tough, and I was able to overcome it. I can overcome anything. We're so much stronger than we give ourselves credit for because we don't challenge ourselves in this way. We usually stay in a safe zone in our lives. Right. And then if something's interesting, so 
my bone was that my friend Karen was going and Debbie was going to be there. So that would have been, I would not have gone alone. But in the end, I was alone. I was alone because when you're done with dinner, Jess, we went to our tent. You don't come out again until you wash hands in the morning. And just, I mean, you could have gone out to go to the bathroom, but I had stuff figured out for that. So I didn't. But you're forced to really like reflect inside and, and. Picture picture this, hot water bottles between your legs. So you don't get cold in your clothing, in a liner, in a sleeping bag with your hat and your headlamp. By the way, I just found my hat and I can't throw it out and your headlamp. And I did keep a journal every day. And I did have a satellite phone because my kids were at home with my parents, but I only used it after I summited. But you're alone in your head. And then by the way, you do get a little like quirky at that altitude, no matter what medication you're on. My girlfriend had said something at dinner. Oh, did you see those cute little white mice? I'm not a fan of any color mouse, but I, so I went into my tent, but then that night I'm like, well, what if the mice get into my tent? And then what if they eat all of my snacks that I need to bring with me? And then what if I scream and then everyone's going to think I'm a freaking loser and a baby because I'm screaming and there's nothing really wrong, except I'm thinking that the mice are going to eat my, my kind bars. And then like, it feels like two minutes later, they're like, wash hands, let's go. Right. So the last two nights, I also totally did not sleep. I was also fixated on keeping my fingernails clean because we were tracking for 11 days, no shower, no washing hair. And, but for whatever reason, I decided my fingernails had to be clean. Yeah, that's so a, that's I brought hard. a nail brush with me and a lot of deodorant. And like you find, like I fixated on that. So those are like surprising things for me that like so random. And then when we did summit, we did not sleep at 18,000. We went to 18,000, went back down to 13, and then left at four o'clock in the morning to go to the summit and it had snowed. But we woke up so early and I kept hitting my head. By the way, Jessica, you can't stand in your tent. You are laying down in your tent and then you can crawl in your tent. But I couldn't even get my head up to wake up. And I'm like, holy shit, it snowed. My whole tent is caved in with snow. Oh my God. Oh, wow. But when wow. you're talking about like an angelic experience, the sun was rising. There was snow on the ground as we summited to the top of this like unbelievable mountain. And my only rule was that, that my feet had to be on the ground. I'm not traversing. I'm not cramponing. I'm I'm wearing shoes and the feet have to be on the ground. So what was like your quirkiest moment that you were like, what am I, what am I doing? Like my fingernail, you definitely had an experience like that. Oh gosh. I mean, there's so much that you're like living in the rough and you're right. Everybody's getting giddy because you're, you start to just progressively get more and more tired. You're taking all those meds. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know if there's anything crazy that I did. Um, but it's amazing how quickly you can bond with people too that you don't know. That was also kind of the fun piece of it is, you know, getting to know. We just had people, I had mostly Americans in my group, but um, just all walks of life, um, all ages from like 25 to, you know, I think 60. Oh no, we had a 70 year old uh, 
a woman that climbed it, which was wow. crazy. Yeah. I mean, she, she was tough. And um, so- He was determined. Know, right. And she was like, um, maybe the final ascent, she was probably like eight hours behind us because she went so slow. She had two porters with her the entire way, but she made it. Um, so I don't know if there's anything quirky, but um, it is fun kind of getting out of your comfort zone, meeting new people that you don't know. Um, I tagged on a trip afterwards to Zanzibar, which is like this tropical island uh, for about five days. That was just uh, well deserved. Nice. Yeah. What would you say was like your hardest um, mental moment or experience during all of that? And did you feel while you were there? I mean, it, the purpose of your trip was to have this closure for your divorce process. Were you thinking about that a lot while you were there? Not really. Um, the hardest moment was, like I mentioned with this, when I kept trailing back and I remember because right. it was pitch dark and I kept looking straight up and I thought that what I saw were stars. And I asked the guides, I was like, because they were so far in the distance I was, and they were so high. I was like, are those stars? Like, no, those are hikers. And I'm like, holy crap, that's that's the elevation that we're climbing. And about- That's where you're going. Later, an hour later, I'm, I look up and the stars aren't any closer. They're just as far. And I'm oh like, my oh my gosh, this is gonna be brutal. And then it starts messing with your mind. Like, I can't make it that high. I mean, it was literally like this that last day. It was. 45 degrees, yeah. if, you know, uh, at least till you got to the very top. Yeah. And so that was definitely the hardest part was just dealing with the mind games of your head saying you can't do it or you're, you're falling behind and, you know, you need to turn around or you're going to start, you know, you're going to start getting altitude sickness. I mean, all the things that went in my head. So what's next? Well, I'm not climbing another mountain. <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> I, um, it was interesting because I'm in a relationship. And so the fact that I didn't travel with my girlfriend created all this little stir amongst people um, about the fact, oh, are you guys broken up? Or, you know, and I ended up writing about solo travel and how I felt like you can still travel solo even when you're in a relationship. What's wrong totally. with that? And it actually resonated with a large portion of my community that really was like, that makes sense. And so, you know, there's there's definitely things that I'd like to do, like certain places that I'd like to go that maybe uh, my girlfriend isn't all that interested in going to. I love traveling. I love Africa. So there's lots of other parts of Africa that I want to go see. Um, the people are just incredible. Intense. They are. I mean, they're just kind hearted. They have nothing. I think it's one of the bottom 20 percent poorest countries uh, in the world. Yeah. And they're all happy and have smiles on their faces. And just being able to, I think it's always good to go travel and see the disparity of wealth between what we're used to and what yeah. we expect and what the real world is. And so I want to do more of that, uh, whether it's Africa or Asia, um, South America. I definitely have a lot of other spots that I want to hit. But as far as like some big audacious goal, <laughs> I think I think I've done that, Jessica. I think I'm done. I think you get I think you get a few years before you have to think about it again. And it might it probably won't look anything like Kilimanjaro, but it'll be challenging in a different way. Um, I think yeah, that like, you know, like swimming with the sharks is something that's kind of interested me because I 
have a I've I've been scared of sharks since Jaws. I'm the one that was traumatized <laughs> by Jaws. You believe Jaws still? <laughs> I mean, I was so traumatized by it. Like, if I'm in a pool, I think there's a shark in the pool. And I was if you girl. saw Jaws again today, you would literally right. laugh at like the, at, at what I it looks like. I had my kids watching, and they're like, "Dad, this is stupid." I'm like, "No, right. this is incredibly frightening. <laughs> it traumatized me." So um, now I don't think I'd swim outside of a cage, but um, that might be something that I might do just to just overcome that fear. But I don't know. That's not. That's way out there. So do you? Like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro obviously is not for everyone, but now that you did what you did with the intention with which you did it, would you tell most people who are getting divorced that it like, it's worth it to try to find some kind of a mental, physical, emotional challenge to be able to have that, you know, that sense of closure that you were looking for? Yes. The beautiful thing about coming out of a divorce, and it may only be for like a little window before you jump into, say, another relationship, is you have this little season in your life when you have, where you have virtually outside of the obligations that you have maybe to your work and your kids, you have all the autonomy in the world mm. to do whatever the hell you want. Right. Any night of the week. And um, once you get into a relationship again, then you have a partner that has a mutual say, and that's just part of the relationship. But so it's like, seize that opportunity. You know, once you get through your healing process and you've got this little window of being autonomous, go do something crazy. Go do something that's fulfilling to you. And it may not be to hike a mountain, but it could be to travel or do something that makes you uncomfortable. Um, but yeah, I think you got to seize that moment because you don't get too many of those, I think. I think you have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable so that you can grow. I mean, look, I, I, we don't know about your divorce details, but between us, I was uncomfortable a lot. I was challenged in ways that I never expected. I was elated over things that I didn't realize I was gonna be so thrilled about. Yeah. But, but all of those challenges allowed us to grow to be where we are today. And right. so you don't have to go all the way to Africa you can you can incorporate something in your weekly routine that's outside of your comfort zone. I mean, Jessica's playing poker now, and that's definitely outside. Trying, of I'm trying to play poker. Can you, but challenge yourself. Challenge yourself. You. Open yourself up. You've got nothing to lose. I'm learning because I'm in a, a bi-weekly girls Zoom that we started during COVID. I just have like the the kind of mind like I it's great, and then it's like two weeks pass, and then I start again. I'm like, wait, what? But but, um, here, but here's the thing, Jess. You have like this season where you can go do all these things that you've either dusted off, right, or you put on the shelf because you got married all these dreams or hobbies or things that you're passionate about, you have an opportunity to dust a lot of that stuff off and go pursue them, you know, right. and make sure that that's, a, that's an expectation in your next relationship, that these are things that are important to me and I'm not going to give them away for the sake of a relationship. And so um, that's been an opportunity for me, certainly, is to be able to just go do things um, that I've never done before. Um, go be super social. I didn't invest in my friendships you know, during my divorce, during my marriage. And so being intentional with friends and traveling and being able to dictate where my dollar goes. I mean, all those things can be very empowering um, if you take advantage of them. You're 100% right, totally.
I mean, listen, that is the upside of divorce, you know, for everyone who's out there and is going through it and it's dark and overwhelming and scary. You totally can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. Like the light at the end of the tunnel is everything that you guys are saying, being able to recognize who you are, what's important to you and stretching and doing the things that you may have thought were fucking crazy before. But now you're like, there's nothing holding me back. There's no reason not to do it. So I love like what it all meant for both of you. It is very inspiring. I will never, I mean, never say never, but I will never hike Mount Kilimanjaro, but it is, but it is very inspiring. It's very inspiring to hear what both of you had to say. We're going to have ex-experts climb Kilimanjaro. Both of you are going to (laughs) go as well as your community. It'll be virtual. It'll be my background on Zoom. I think you can do it virtually with Amazon and you can go to Kilimanjaro. Exactly. That'll be me. So, well, thank you so much, Daniel, for taking the time and sharing that experience. I feel like it's so profound. And as many people around the world that have done it, I mean, obviously it's not so common. And Teach was so excited when she had found out that you did it. And that, I mean, I would imagine that that's like a really specific bond for two people to have, to have had that experience. And, and also for it having to be, been a post-divorce thing and then meet someone else who did it for the same reason. Like, I don't know, I feel like you guys are bonded for life. Like that's a nice- We're in a club. Cool. We're in a very cool club. club. So we that's have right. the handshake and everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I still wear, I bought this, uh, it's just a little Kilimanjaro band. Um, it's funny cause I have that and I have the Tanzanian colors. Uh-huh. And then over here I've got my, I bought this when I was in Kenya and they're just reminders. Yep. They're more reminders of, uh, you know, I know a lot of people are like, you're, you're a 48 year old man wearing bands, but I'm like, whatever. it's the reminders of what I've accomplished, but also reminders of the experiences that I've had. And so, uh, that I'm proud of. And so, yeah, it's a very special club, Jess. We might let you in. I'll no. never make it in. I'll never uh, make it in, but she'll be in other clubs. Right. Yeah, <laughs> Thank club. you so much, Daniel. This was a pleasure. It is my pleasure. Thank you guys. Thank you so much. For everyone out there listening, if you know anyone at all who would benefit from what we've talked about today, please share this episode and everything X-Experts. Be sure and click to subscribe, rate, and review our Divorce Etc. podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please follow us on social media, at X-Experts, on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. You can also find so much more, including articles and even the podcast transcripts on our website, at www.exexperts.com. And don't forget to sign up for our newsletter now. When you get X-Experts in your inbox, you're the first to hear about all of our happenings at events, plus access special discounts and prices. Thanks for listening.